0: I just took my first. I just took my first pull of the tequila bottle, and it's already. I can feel it behind my eyes. (laughs) You can feel it behind your eyes. (laughs) Just like, hey, old friend, we meet again. How's it going? Well hello and welcome to Bromancing the Stone. It's the podcast for myself, Renee Sanchez, and my good buddy, Max Lyon. What up? Watch rom and then record our thoughts and post them on the internet for the tens and tens of listeners listening pleasure. And Max, how are you doing on this Saturday night?
1: I'm good. I'm sitting here with my picture of uh, Moscow mules again
0: to yeah, commemorate yeah, yeah, another
1: yeah. a week another week of winter
0: <laughs> um, We're technically not there yet
1: what into winter yeah we aren't
0: no winter technically starts in uh december 22nd or 21st so oh they,
1: uh, yeah. yeah 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 with the winter yeah. solstice yeah or
0: yeah, yeah and yeah. quite frankly if it isn't below freezing yet we haven't gotten to winter
1: that's also true yeah
0: at least here in chicago well, the leaves,
1: the leaves are off the trees, the trees are bare. It's 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 chilly. Although yesterday it was like it was like 70 degrees yesterday. It was really strange.
0: Yeah. All the leaves are down. And the sky is gray. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Uh Max, yeah, I uh, I've also been sipping. Um, yeah. Yep, sipping on that tequila. Sip sipping on sip sipping on tequila. Just straight?
1: Um, you throw some lime in it or?
0: Uh no, just straight because I don't have any limes. All I have are, you know, pre-made meals that are 600 calories or less in my fridge.
1: Oh yeah, how's that meal plan yes. going? What what was it again?
0: Uh it's a, they're called Freshly. Um, sponsorship and,
1: opportunity
0: yeah exactly i'd be more <laughs> than happy to add them to the podcast that is you know 51 episodes in now uh let's and go yeah, guys it's, yeah so um basically been making like uh tonight or well today I, because i have basically two meals a day that because i i've ordered 12 meals for the week which is their highest plan and so that basically I could do like two meals in a day sort of thing. Um, and then just kind of work out breakfast however I see fit. Um, but today I had a uh, baked penne and sausage Ooh. option, which was real nice. I uh, also had um, a cauliflower shell bolognese. Ooh. Um, so the pasta was made at, or shells, but it was made out of cauliflower nice and then, and then it was a uh and then it was a meat sauce uh all mixed together with uh yeah and it was a both were quite lovely uh, wow, so
1: yeah that's not now you're speaking my language the gluten sensitive uh vegetarian side of myself is <laughs> loving that
0: yeah although next week since uh you know there's a holiday and all that i did change up some of the dishes i'll be seeing uh so next week i do have a like a a fried chicken and mac and cheese option coming, which is more my speed. So, you know, we're, it's for Thanksgiving. We're it's for Thanksgiving. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, so doing, doing all that sort of stuff, uh, you know, and just living. You know what I'm saying? Just living.
1: I mean, that's all we really can do, right? Right? Yeah. The fact that the be... holidays are getting slowly robbed away from us.
0: Yeah, yeah. Robbed.
1: Yeah, bad word choice, but
0: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, just uh, um,
1: I mean, I knew it, it, they're not robbed away. I knew this was coming. Like I, I've been prepping for it for you know since February when this broke out. Yeah, so. like fucking. I haven't.
0: Yeah, this pandemic like it, it's pretty much taken away the last eight months for me. Like, yeah, yeah it's felt. Yeah, you know, felt like I couldn't really leave over that period of time. You know? yeah. Speaking of not being able to leave something in that period of time, we watched The Jewel of the Nile this week, which is the sequel to Romancing the Stone. Uh, I say it couldn't leave because after the end of Romancing the Stone, they go on a six-month excursion on a boat, so neither one of them could really leave. <laughs>
1: you know? Plus, she's not kind there. of a captive in that. In the town. Where and she... then
0: she's a captive in Africa. Yeah. Um, which that's pretty much all that town is called is Africa. And then there's Kadir. Yeah. yeah I noticed
1: town. that they never actually like state a country.
0: Well, if you don't actually state a country, then it could be as, you know, stereotypically racist as they were in the movie. But we'll get to that. Oh, that's. True. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> so yes, it's the sequel to romancing the stone. Uh, which we watched for our fiftieth episode last week. If you haven't listened to that, listen to that. Um, but uh, have had you ever seen the Jewel of the Nile? I know you had seen once before, Romance of the Stone, Before we reviewed it last week. Uh, yeah, I'd, but,
1: I'd never, I'd never seen this one. I honestly didn't even know there was a sequel until, I think, until we recorded the last episode.
0: Yeah, I. I mean, I knew of it just like I knew of that's an original movie, but of course I hadn't seen this either. Um, but yes, it's, uh, um, it's what all
1: I, I kept like, I mean, like, okay. So Renee and I had a texting conversation going where he watched it Friday night. I watched it today, which yeah. is when we're recording is Saturday. Yeah. Um, and just back and forth both of us were just bewildered at what we were watching. <laughs> and I think I could I just kept saying to you, what the actual fuck? Like I just like uh, over the course of the movie, that's I walked away from it. I was pacing my apartment for like 20 minutes afterwards, going, <laughs> what The fuck did I just watch?
0: I, that was <laughs> I mean if Everyone read my live tweet, which, you know, for the tens of tens of listeners, why wouldn't you read my live tweets for I mean, why when not? I watch this movie? Um, I mentioned that I, I apologize in advance because my live tweets are basically just evolving into me repeatedly tweeting out, this movie is fucking bonkers, <laughs> <laughs> which was just the mantra that I just had in my head from... A minute 30 through to the end of the movie which was an hour and 45 minutes including credits because they're, they it never really stopped during the credits no. like they didn't it didn't fade to black no. it was there was shit going on during the credits as yeah. the names are rolling this um, is this is a
1: movie I feel like I need to like re-watch several times because there's so much shit going on in the background too.
0: I don't know if we're going to adequately go over everything, but we're going to go ahead and give it a try.
1: I mean, uh, let's- yeah, <laughs> we don't have to. At least we don't have to go over acting this time. Like the actors are all the same. Yeah, we know. So it's like <laughs> we know what we're getting well, into with this. We got to go
0: over acting a little bit, especially in the case of Danny DeVito. There's a, there's a lot of notes.
1: Dude, I'm there. glad you brought him up. Yes.
0: <laughs> I have notes for him. Um, so, nonetheless, The Jewel of the Nile is a 1985 American action adventure romantic comedy and a sequel to the 1984 film Romancing the Stone, which was directed by Lewis Teague. Uh, So uh, the Jewel of the Nile is directed by Lewis Teague and produced by one of its stars, Michael Douglas. Uh, The film reunites Douglas with Kathleen Turner and Danny DeVito, all reprising their roles like Romancing the Stone. The opening scene takes place in one of Jones novels, this time instead of Jesse and Angelina in Joan's Wild West scenario, Joan and Jack are about to get married when pirates attack the ship. The Jewel of the Nile sends his characters off on a new adventure in a fictional African desert in an effort to find the fabled Jewel of the Nile.
1: Which I find ironic that we never once see the actual Nile.
0: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well... Actually, no. What do you think they were sailing on at the very, very end?
1: The Mediterranean again?
0: No, they're sailing on the Nile, bro. Were they? No, they weren't. I just am making that up. Anyway, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> the movie was released December of nineteen eighty five, uh, which was uh, twenty two months. Or no, no. Excuse me. Uh, 20 months after, or, or, wait, hold on, March to December. So that's nine plus 12, so 21 months. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's, that's still such a quick turnaround. For yeah. Like
0: written and like yeah. filmed, <laughs> like all that shit, all in 20. 20- and released in twenty one months, um, the running time for the film, of, 107 minutes. Uh, I said an hour forty five. Um, the budget of the film was twenty five million, so it went up fifteen million due to how much the first one had made. Okay. How much did this make in the box office? And remember, the last one made, I believe, like it was a one one eighteen.
1: I was just about to ask what was the last one? Okay, so 118. There. Well, they didn't make another sequel from this, but I I do know from a little bit of research that I did that they there was a rumor that they were going to make a third one that never got made. So, at least we know this one was financially successful. I'm I'm going to say somewhere around 118, so I'm going to go with like I don't know, 105
0: not too far off, $96.7 million. That's still pretty so, damn good. I know. It's still made about, it still made four times the budget. So yeah. Um, <laughs> this movie uh, started principal photography on April of 1985. So literally a year after the first one had come out. So they started weird. filming this again. So weird. Um, they shot this in uh, Cannes, France, uh, and in Morocco. Oh, ah,
1: okay.
0: And then there's other locations, including Zion National Park in Utah. So well,
1: I did. I did recognize the uh, the weird. Um... The, like the fly in with the 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 heli- when the helicopter first swoops over the the big Adobe type village that they've got, mm-hmm. I recognize that as a UNESCO World Heritage site, which is pretty cool. So I'm glad that they used something that was, um, you know, kind of historic and architecturally relevant, at least from my perspective. <laughs> uh, but I mean, like. I know that is in Morocco. So that makes sense. And that's, I know that's a, one of the first, uh, examples that we still have left over from even in modern day of like an actual earth and clay architecture city from like ancient times, which is really cool.
0: Yeah. Um, so, so production notes, according to Wikipedia, um, (laughs) these are fun (laughs) at the time both Kathleen Turner and Michael Douglas only made the sequel because they were contractually obligated to do so although although Douglas was much more invested in the film as its producer at one point during pre-production Turner tried to back out of the project because she found the script terrible formulaic sentimental Um, until 20th Century Fox threatened her with a $25 million lawsuit for breach of contract. (laughs) (laughs) Douglas intervened on her behalf and ensured that a rewrite would be made. Uh, Turner was disappointed that Douglas did not ask Diane Thomas, the writer who had penned the script for Romance of the Stone, to return for the sequel, apparently because he decided her asking price was too high. When Douglas agreed to undertake rewrites to please Turner, Thomas was asked to consult on alterations, but Turner remained disappointed with the script. She elaborated in her interview in 2018. Ultimately, I read the script on a plane to Morocco, where the film was shooting, and I was furious. It didn't have what Michael said it had. have. When I got to the hotel in Fez, Michael and I sat down on the floor with three versions of the script. We were trading pages to get a script that was acceptable to both of us. It was, I'll do this if you'll do that. It was frustrating. It was frustrating because
1: you are being difficult about it.
0: I mean, from reports of both of these filmings and also just her reputation, Kathleen Turner is a bit of a diva for someone yeah. who didn't necessarily have a lot of clout as an actress. But at the same time... She's not wrong. (laughs) The script in this film are not of good quality.
1: (laughs) Again, another reason why I walked away going, what the
0: fuck did I just watch? Where it was just... Yeah. Um, Filming in North Africa was dogged with problems from unbearable 120 degree heat to problems with the local crew but the most troubling concern was that the director showed that he was not up to the task of helming an action film. After one massive night scene that was hours in setup and cast and crew in place, it was only then that someone noticed that there was no film in the cameras. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) As producer, Michael Douglas exploded, the whole debacle had to be refilmed another day, only after the raw film stock was finally located. More problems with local customs cropped up with film and equipment mysteriously held up by customs until the requisite bribes were paid. Bribes? Well, this is Wikipedia, so everything is taken with a grain of salt. Oh. I thought it was fun. To, it was so fun that we should read this, especially because, as I mentioned... There's a lot to talk about with the movie, but I don't know how long we're going to be talking about it. Uh, in the end, being only three weeks behind schedule was a ma- was a minor triumph for Douglas. Jesus. Uh, approximately two weeks before principal photography began, an aircraft carrying Richard Docking, the production designer, and Brian Coates, the production manager, crashed during location scouting over the countryside of Morocco, killing all on board. Jesus, the film is dedicated to the memory of Docking and Coates, as well as screenwriter Diane Thomas, who had died in an automobile accident. Right, that one, according to Diane Thomas's Wikipedia, um, Michael Douglas had gifted her a Porsche after the success of *Romancing the Stone*, and um, it was and after that she had gone to a party with her significant other. And some other friends, she got into the back seat of that Porsche and Jesus. her significant other crashed the Porsche and that's how I mean, that's what she killed it. So
1: Michael Douglas gifted her a death cab.
0: Yes. It was a death cab for cutie. Jesus. <laughs> I felt bad saying it, but I now had I to say you, it. I
1: set you up for it intentionally, so yeah. I don't feel bad.
0: Yeah. Um uh, During filming in Morocco, Douglas and Turner, flying in an executive jet aircraft, had a near accident when the aircraft wing struck the runway in a a heavy landing.
1: Oh, you mean a version of what they actually do with the jet in the
0: movie? Yeah. Uh, The use of a General Dynamics F-16 Fighting Falcon mock-up was a key element of the main characters escaping from a fortified town.
1: The aforementioned jet in the movie.
0: (laughs) The wooden styrofoam and fiberglass mock-up was built on an automobile chassis and powered by a 350 CI Chevrolet engine. As with the first film, the novelization of the sequel was credited to Joan Wilder, the character played by Kathleen Turner. Both books were actually ghostwritten by Catherine Lanigan. No, Catherine Lanigan.
1: Um, Wait, so there's actually...
0: They, they turned both Romancing the Stone and The Jewel of the Nile into novels. Really? novels, yes. Uh, and then The Jewel of the Nile was the final film released on the RCA Select Division CED video format. It was also released in other media formats such as VCRs and such. No.
1: Hmm. RCA, that brings me back to the age of VCRs and... Recording movies off of public television. Yeah. God, golden age. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. I so okay, so what you're getting at is that both of these movies, both the, the, the original and the sequel, have been plagued with awful atrocities.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean
1: we got the croc that's... attacks in the first one. We got the heat problems and the crashes and the jet crashes and everything in this one.
0: I think that's one of the funniest parts to start with. Just comparing between the first and second movies. Everyone just... like The, the critical acclaim for the first movie is shocking to me. Like, it's fun, but it's not good. But yet everyone keeps talking about how great the script was and it's got a high score in Rotten Tomatoes. And I still don't get it. <laughs>
1: like, I, I don't either. Like, I, I mean, we also didn't like, we weren't around during that period. So I guess I can't yeah, say for but, sure, but yeah, I,
0: I, I'm with you. I don't get it. And so like, you know, her being mad that like Diane Thomas was like, this felt a little more like it felt like as it said there, where they were taking pages from multiple versions of the script, saying, "Let's do this and let's do this and let's do this." <laughs> like you know, let's do let's do the fighter jet scene. Uh, I don't know about that hot air balloon scene. Uh, let's do the trade scene. Uh, <laughs> not sure about the submarine scene. Where would there be a submarine in Africa? Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, it's just it felt like. <laughs> It felt like that <laughs> In the, when watching this movie. Well, the first one, I guess, felt "quote unquote" coherent enough because it was all one adventure sort of thing, uh, but nonetheless, it wasn't like they fucking wrote Casablanca <laughs> like right. anything, you know. Um, and so that that shocks me. Um, you know, speaking of Rotten Tomatoes. Um, the uh, would you like to have a guess at what the Rotten Tomato score for this movie is?
1: Mm, what was it for the first one? I, I don't remember. I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, hang on. I'm going to look it up for reference. Um, okay, it's not popping up on Google right away, so I'm not wasting my time. But um, I'm going to say 56%.
0: 48 percent so yeah um the uh yeah basically everyone just says yeah it's not as good as the first one Uh, you know although uh oh
1: yeah for for reference it was 85 percent
0: yeah i thought it was in the 80s for the first one like what i don't get it i i don't get it I, i don't
1: it was entertaining. I mean, yeah. Same with this one. Like it, I'd say it's a 50%. Like It's right around there. Both yeah. of them.
0: Roger Ebert gave The Jewel of the Nile 3 out of 4 stars. And he wrote, It's to everybody's credit that The Jewel of the Nile is an ambitious and elaborate attempt to repeat the success of the first movie. It's not just a ripoff."
1: <laughs> it wasn't a rip-off the first time. We established that. Indiana Jones came out after that movie.
0: But the thing about Indiana Jones that I will uh, argue with what you said the first time, uh, they or Spielberg came up with that idea in the early seventies. And then after George Lucas made star Wars and then agreed to work with Spielberg on Indiana Jones is when they actually created that. film.
1: Oh, so there is the, the potential that it got ripped off somewhere in the process. Yeah.
0: That maybe the script had already been written and you know, Diane Thomas and, Well, I don't know how Diana Thomas the Waitress would have seen the script, but I don't necessarily, but I think, you know, that success of that original Indiana Jones film was used when actually filming this movie. Like it may not have been in the script for instance, but they saw how they could pair, you know, make parallels between it. This one felt like a direct ripoff of, I don't know what Indiana Jones is the one where he goes to the Middle East and like, has oh the totally guy no who... no
1: no it's the last crusade yeah i was thinking that the Whatever. entire time i was like this cool. is the last crusade with uh, sean connery yeah
0: but the last crusade came out after this film
1: yeah much much longer after
0: so then the last crusade is a ripoff of the jewel of the nile yeah ah we figured it out we've cracked the code i thought this was an indiana jones ripoff and it was actually the other way around
1: Last Crusade came like, out in yeah. 89, so it was yeah. four, five, three years later? Five, or four years later. Four years
0: later? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh <laughs> it's just this fucking thing. Like I
1: mean, even the train se- sequence, like, that's in Last Crusade.
0: No fucking way.
1: Yeah. I, like, there's okay. so... <laughs> There's a first of all, okay, there's a jet scene in uh Raiders of the Lost Ark.
0: Okay, just so then, like that. So then that could have been ripped off from Indiana Jones.
1: There's a train scene in Last Crusade. There's like every the whole damn movie is set in the desert. Just like that with like the horse chases, the or the camel chases, the everything. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. (laughs) So.
1: But it doesn't have Danny DeVito.
0: Let's save Danny DeVito. I have just a couple things to say about the plot that are actually almost complimentary. And then let's get into, like, the, the big shit. Okay. So, first thing, it's actually... Almost good. How they bring up the writer's block slash creating content when you're content at the beginning of this film. It's a common thread that's used in pop culture. It's a. It's also you know you often see it or hear it in music. Uh, but like when you hit when you finally get your fame when you finally. Like your first, uh, the the saying in music is that your first album, you've been writing your whole life. And then your second album, you've been writing since your first album, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know? And so what happens when you finally reach that acclaim, when you mean to that sort of thing. And so in the case of Joan, she was living this very solitary life where she was writing these fantasies she had created in her head that she was not achieving and able to find. She was, she was basically formulating what she was hoping to find sort of thing. Then she found it in Jack. And now it's like, how do you keep writing that when your process has completely changed because you're currently with the person that you love? Although at the same time, along the same lines you don't know how to love that person because you've never been in that kind of love before. And so there's a whole lot of learning how to do things for the first time within that first 10 minutes of the film that I feel like they actually approach pretty well. I like, script-wise, completely agree. Like script wise. And it's just like this, is, these are very common arguments that are, that people would have at this moment in life that make complete sense. Jack's kind of being a fuck boy, not wanting to be committal to like staying in one place. She's kind of being a bit whiny and petulant in that not being appreciative of being with someone that she loves and, be, and kind of thanking her lucky stars that she's with someone who she loves and is like now, you know, complaining about having it all, quote unquote. Right. And so these are first world problems, but at the same time, they're still problems. These are still things that people run into. And then, you know, and having to try to write and having a deadline that's passed, that all is a common thing that you could actually build something off of.
1: Yeah, even I felt pretty hard with that. I mean, I mean, the whole yeah, the whole first 15 minutes of the movie is about like sophomore slumps, essentially, like, yeah, it's following up whatever your initial fame is, whether it has to do with her writing or it has to do with their relationship. Like, it's following up an early success with equal success afterwards. But then they didn't and really touch just, on that hold again. Hold
0: on. Hold on. And, hold on. and then Obar walks in. <laughs> like, and then Omar, a fucking wannabe dictator, walks in whom somehow Joan has read about in Time Magazine. And within five movie minutes... And, which is a half-hour conversation in their time, she has decided she's going to uproot her life and go to Africa and wants Jack to come with.
1: Does she, though? Like, she didn't even really fight for him to come with her. Well,
0: she just assumed he was going to come with her, but she wanted to do this sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And because now all of a sudden after a half hour conversation and after what she's read with like in Time magazine, she now believes, oh, this is, you know, this is the type of work I'm meant to do. This is this is the important work. She now wants to be a serious journalist from a romance novelist. Well, within a half hour desperate. conversation. She's looking for
1: purpose when she can't find any by herself. So of course yeah, she's this she's is
0: reaching. This is the most like absurd way to act out with, over something instead of facing the actual problem and having an actual conversation with Jack that Jack's just like, I'm going to go to the roulette wheel. We're not having this conversation. And so now she's taking matters into her own hand and she's literally going to go to Africa and be with this guy she doesn't know to write his story.
1: And I think therein lies the problem that I've had. I I, I wanted to wait until I saw the sequel to make this observation, but it's the problem that I have with their whole relationship. Is that they don't fucking communicate? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it's like surface level of communication. It's 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 like they're living in a romance novel, which I know is is cliche to point that out because it's exactly what it is. But but that's like you can't just solve problems by running off to the fucking Mediterranean on your magically purchased sailboat all of a sudden. Or you know, solve it at the end of this movie. Spoiler alert: by getting married. Like (laughs) that's, it's just not gonna fucking. It's not gonna make all the deep-seated issues go away. Like you, you guys don't actually communicate on a very fundamental level. You, you do
0: realize that, right? So they have the first of three different. Uh, on three different occasions in this film they have a conversation that basically equates to Jack going we had a good run didn't we huh babe
1: yeah and like you immediately (laughs) just (laughs) give that up like well well, yeah we had a good run
0: (laughs) they give they give a fucking epitaph to their relationship on three separate occasions in this film a film in which they end up getting married They wrote the fucking obituary for a relationship that they end up continuing at the end three different times, (laughs) which if you, I guess
1: if you, if you want to read a little deeper, you might be able to really stretch. And I mean, really stretch because the script is not there to support this.
0: Of course. Yes.
1: But you could stretch and say, because at one point I don't remember exactly what scene it is, but late in the movie, Jack, oh, it's when Jack finally proposes to her. Mm -hmm. He brings up that he's finally ready to acknowledge his feelings and ready to be open about this and communicate this sort of stuff.
0: As he says in the film, which wasn't a horrible line, he says, because this is the first time I'm I'm not afraid to say it.
1: Exactly. So it's like, if you want to read deeper from that, I guess you could could stretch and make the, the assumption that, Okay, so maybe on some level, neither of them are really emotionally hundred percent invested yet. And they're both trying to almost they're they're both self-sabotagers. That's a whole fucking movie, is they're both self-sabotagers
0: and that's that
1: are trying to find ways to like ruin the relationship, or at least looking but... for reasons to not fully open up and invest in the relationship which is something we all fucking do but
0: yes and that's also something that's common within rom-coms like we are told within rom-coms and something we've been we've talked about throughout the first season of this podcast yes the quote-unquote first season first year mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. is that the that you know um uh, there's the lightning bolt, and you just you just know, and it's just it's just you know what it is, and you and you go for it no matter what because you know that this is it, this is right. the one, like the look, the da 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 da, da. um you know, we, two weeks ago and Warm's warm bodies, fucking his zombie mind who couldn't formulate a goddamn sentence, but knew <laughs> right when he saw uh what's her tits that he <laughs> she was the one sort of thing um nonetheless uh and then once he ate the brains he knew for sure that she was the one uh but in this case this is more realistic where you get into a relationship with someone that you're immediately attracted to you immediately have a connection with but at the same time you kind of have to grow into a comfort level of yes or no sort of thing like
1: right you know Well, I I think in a way, just to be devil's advocate, I think in a way you're describing two of the same thing that like the initial stages of a relationship. If you're with someone that, you know, whether it's lifelong or, or not, I don't think necessarily matters as much. But if it's a successful relationship for a long period of time and you meet someone and the initial stage of that relationship is like lightning to both of you it 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 feels meant to be and then it's maintaining the relationship after that initial stage that's the really crucial part and that's what we see in this movie is it's like you guys aren't you guys are you're past the puppy dog phase you're past the 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 initial honeymoon phase now you're into the real like okay, this shit is real and might be something long-term. And that, when you get to that point in a relationship, can be a terrifying realization.
0: <laughs> and it devolves into what we were joking about last week with the first movie, where it's just like, the, you know, almost losing your life is and being on an adventure is a goddamn aphrodisiac. And so now, in order to kind of, they're kind of like, I'm getting kind of bored with this relationship and with you. Let's go on another adventure to spice us back up.
1: Exactly. That's what
0: this film film kind of feels like that, where they're just like, oh, oh, that's right. Which, like, I hate to point
1: this out, but this is no different than any other coping mechanism. Like, this is no different than, like, going out and clubbing together or, like... Sitting at yeah. home smoking weed together, like it's it's no different. This is just another version. This is your version of a coping mechanism, because you're not willing to actually discuss the real issues.
0: It it, it, it it's just a reminder. It's like the the old stand up joke that Dave Chappelle says, where you know, as a as a girl, if your guy's doing something, instead of just like you know, clicking your teeth and sighing and making him feel bad for doing it, instead, why don't you just like. Sucking out titty from time to time. <laughs> and then when he sees God, it, he'll just be like, and then he'll see you doing that and be like, oh, that's right. I forgot my girl could suck a titty from time to time. I can't leave that. Why would I ever leave that? <laughs> oh, my God. It's just like...
1: <laughs> it's, that's I mean, still not communicating. That's just... <laughs> uh, yeah,
0: yeah, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, i i know because i'm equating that joke to what they do in this movie oh yeah it's as...
1: totally it's like misdirection yeah. it's like yeah oh my god yeah
0: <laughs> let's and fucking also, go
1: blow just... up a whole fucking town with a jet
0: <laughs> the, and never fly it and never <laughs> yeah must stay gro- it must stay grounded oh my god that fucking jet scene. At the, one point, the, the jet, jet, scene, jet flies. Dude. The jet flies by while an ass, a, ja- a donkey, is sitting on Danny DeVito. Oh, what? God. Oh my god! Yeah. Okay. What? Yeah.
1: There's just so much shit going on in this movie. Okay, so now that we've covered the romance. Yeah side of it.
0: Yeah, the romance side of it And just like the relationship side of it and the actual thing that you know we we talk about on this podcast. Right. Like how about the fucking the goddamn well, first off Danny DeVito's there. How and why?
1: I don't know, but I I was I was glad he was cuz there were so many lines that he had that were fucking hilarious. And also racist. Well, I mean, it's the fucking mid-80s. What do you expect?
0: Yeah, I mean, of course. Like, he was racially insensitive throughout this film.
1: Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, they were racially insensitive in the first movie. <laughs> like,
0: well, yeah. I mean...
1: Nothing's going to change in, what was it, 20, 22 months? No, not even.
0: Was... T- yeah, 21 months. Yeah. Yes, agreed. Still doesn't make it any better.
1: No. Does not age well. Does not age well, but... Um,
0: And so, and yeah, um, but the, I mean, they gave him more to do because they're just like, well, we don't have as much script. So how about you just come out here and just, you know, provide comedic relief a little more often? Like, like we're going to turn your comedic relief up another five notches. Uh and which give me time.
1: I didn't mind. I I will say that there was there were a lot more entertaining deliveries and lines in this movie than the first one. It was definitely it made me laugh a lot more than the first one did. And that's not to take anything away from the first one. The first one was still very entertaining and very funny. But this one I was actually like I think I was just sideswiped by just all the chaos that was happening throughout the movie that every time there was some sort of comedically delivered line, it kind of brought me back down to earth (laughs) and reminded me that this is, you know, this is just a, a silly, funny movie. It's, but you know, don't get too caught up in the insanity that's happening in the background with a fucking jet or a train or whatever the hell else is happening.
0: Yeah. 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 I agree um i i mean yeah the Danny DeVito to brought comedic relief but at the same time i don't know if he was like i still feel the entire time that he's just unnecessary and he, i just didn't was. i didn't he laugh was. at him enough for him to like be there you know what i mean oh you didn't uh, no like he's a lot funnier as frank and it's always sunny in philadelphia <laughs> uh, well
1: yeah, that's a tough role uh, to top.
0: Or the fact that when he goes in and he sees them about to die and he's just like, Oh, now it's gonna be seventy thirty, maybe eighty twenty for the jewel of the Nile, and it's like, You fucking dummy. There is no jewel of the Nile. Yeah. And well there were, like, there
1: were a few lines though where he was Oh god, I'm trying to remember. There was one where he was he came out into a fight scene. It was, it was horribly offensive, but it still made me laugh out of my mind when I mean, he comes out into like a fight scene and everyone in the, like the village is just fighting each other. And he says something about, it's like, it's like recess at Mount Carmel Catholic <laughs> School or something.
0: Yeah. Some sort of New York reference. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's, so that made me laugh. It's like subtle, like, you know, tongue in cheek kind of comments like that, that, you could yeah. very easily miss throughout the movie. He made several of those.
0: Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I want to talk about the actual jewel of the Nile.
1: There's another guy who was a decent actor.
0: Um. Yeah. You mean Abner Eisenberg? Yes. Who played a, a Middle Eastern man, a mm-hmm. Middle Eastern Messiah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Abner Eisenberg. <sighs> he
1: is he wh- is actually a vaudeville performer, a clown, and a mime and a juggler and a sleight of hand musician. Magician. Okay,
0: that, that makes sense for what he does in like their base their basic pro wrestling scene when Michael Douglas is fighting this other suitor for <laughs> the hand of Joan and then he creates a distraction so that a foreign object could be used to knock out the other the wrestler and then he gets the pin that's pro wrestling 101 <laughs> right there so you know i was i was like yes that makes complete sense to me what we just saw that yep. that whole scene yep um, <laughs> classic but, misdirection yeah yeah who like <laughs> but how I still question everything about the jewel of the Nile. Why is he called the jewel of the Nile? What religion does he represent? Uh
1: Rene, why Renee, I question exactly, everything about the plot of this movie. Yeah. Like
0: how it, how exactly is he elevated to the Jewel of the Nile status? How does everyone else know that he's the jewel of the Nile? If everyone else if everyone else knows that he's the jewel of the Nile, then why does he have to show up during this dictator speech in order to then be elevated to this Messiah status and keep a dictator from happening? Why is the dictator showing up? Like why why is it that I guess he stole yeah, why the jewel wasn't of he a,
1: why wasn't he a martyr when he was in captivity like
0: yeah instead he was like he had been captured I guess the idea is since he's this messiah figure if you are powerful enough to have captured him and pr- and imprisoned him then you must be the all-powerful one that we must uh worship. And that's kind of the idea, I guess, behind everyone being like, "Oh, I guess we we fucking worship Omar now." He's Which, uh,
1: to I guess, to your point, like he he does verify very early on in his first appearance, his first scene when he's you, we witness him talking to Omar and saying, mm-hmm. "Even your suspicious or not suspicious, even your um um superstitious enough." To not kill me, so like he acknowledges that there's a great deal of superstition involved in whatever the hell we're witnessing here, but then, but then you're right. Like they never actually clarify like what is his role, like what everything about him and the whole like the rest of the central quote unquote central plot of this film is so
0: fucking vague. Yes. And, but just (laughs) so then Joan decides that, you know, she's made a pact with him. So, therefore, they must get him to Kadir. And she doesn't tell Jack why, which is another red flag. Why are you not telling Jack the fucking truth?
1: Communication.
0: Yeah. And so then they have breakup speech number two, which is, well, we had a good good run. run. Yeah, I know. But then Omar's chasing him, so guess what? He's got to fucking follow him. <laughs> uh, because it's like, oh, can't really break up in the middle of the goddamn desert with no goddamn vehicle.
1: I mean, I was thinking that before Omar even started, Jason. I'm like, you're gonna, yeah. you're gonna turn a, uh, you know, your shoulder to her and just like pout in yeah. the middle of the fucking desert. Like, <laughs> oh yeah. So just pout. What? <laughs> oh, so I guess just pout. like dude what's your end game here like i get that your feelings are hurt and your pride is hurt but dude how old are you supposed to be in this film Mm -hmm. come on come on where's your survival Uh, instinct you're in the middle of a fucking desert
0: yeah and then and then then she reveals it the next day after they banged which we'll get to that dance scene here shortly uh but then the Morning after they've banged and everything, then she she tells him what's up, and he get and then he says, "Oh, well, I guess it could have been something," and he goes down the mountain. It's like it's like a mini breakup speech. I that was the point in the movie where I was like, "I hope you fucking die." Like, like, fucking do it like they're one of those dysfunctional like yes. couples where at, after a certain point they're yelling in the parking lot of some random business and then they're just yelling and like at some point it just devolves to like they saying like someone threatening to leave and the other person just saying well then fucking do it <laughs> You can put me out my misery and do it.
1: And speaking from experience from someone who's been in that f- dysfunctional relationship <laughs> and had a friend literally tell me, dude, I hope you guys fucking break up. Like, tomorrow. <laughs> like, I was watching that thinking the exact same thing. Like, fuck you both. I like, I don't care what happens.
0: <laughs> and then... <laughs> And then when they're over the well and about to die, then they actually give an epitaph to their relationship, which at that point actually feels like, okay, this actually makes sense to talk about how good you were. Cause it does look like you're going to die. <laughs> like, right. it, you know, now it makes sense to say everything that you're going to say, but instead, then of course, instead he asked her to marry him, which yeah. is something you would do if he actually were going to live. And then she even asks him,
1: is this just because we're going to die? <laughs> He's like, no, no, no. It's because I'm finally... And then, of course, he... Then out of fucking yeah. nowhere, he pulls out the best goddamn line of both movies.
0: Yeah. Although, it would have been a lot funny. He's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> like... I mean, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, so... This movie was PG, just like the last movie. But And yet they also, said the word
1: bastard like a billion times.
0: Oh, shut up. That's not going to cause it go for you. What they did do, though, I saw two dozen titties in this film.
1: Oh, my God.
0: They just went all of a sudden National Geographic on that dance scene.
1: I swear to God, as soon as as soon as he referenced National Geographic walking into that village, the Nubian village, yeah, and he's like, just keep smiling and they'll think we're from National Geographic. I'm like, we're gonna see some titties.
0: It, they, they, yeah, they, they get topless, and it's just like, first off, free the nipple. I, I totally, am, I'm with it. If you have decided that you want to go topless wherever, do it. I mean, like, why not? You're dancing just,
1: in the middle of the desert on a
0: warm summer if, evening. Yeah, if, if men can be topless in a on a warm summer day on the beach, if a woman wants to be topless, I feel like she should also be topless. Like that, there shouldn't be any issues here. So, I was I'm fully supportive of that. At the same time, that usually gets an R rating. And here, because of how it's presented, they're just like, "No, you're still PG. You're good." And it's just like, God, the mid eighties, man. Right. (laughs) They were were something else. (laughs) Um, But then of course, Joan starts dancing and then it's just like, there's something about that dance scene of the way he looks at her. And then the jewel of the Nile saying, you know, don't be afraid, like go to her like sort of thing and everything else is just like, that was actually probably the most like loving and romantic thing i saw of the entire damn movie oh and it also leads and it leads to the kiss of this movie which is when they when he finally goes to her grab picks her up and kisses her at that dance and then basically carries her to where wherever they were staying that night to go bone down and i thought like just the look he had on his face and like the dance and just the joyousness and everything that they were kind of presenting within that scene all made sense and it felt like a b to me like a solid b of a scene and a kiss
1: you know what i think i'd i'd go i go b plus Mm -hmm. but i'm i'm with you like that was i think uh now that you brought that up i think that was actually the most realistic scene in the whole movie in terms of the romance in terms of the the relationship aspect Mm -hmm. because yeah, that's where he's kind of sitting on the sidelines. It's very symbolic for, you know, for a number of reasons, but he's sitting on the sidelines, he's wrestling with his own feelings. And then the, whatever he's supposed to be, the Messiah figure leans over and gives him his one words of wisdom kind of thing. Like go to her. Or What does he actually say? Like, uh,
0: he says, stop being afraid and go to her like yeah. go 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 like, get her go get or something her. like that yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: and which he doesn't he doesn't I, like I kept waiting for him to actually like get up and go get her
0: well they were uh, in the middle of a routine you don't you don't interrupt a routine well, go
1: out there and fucking dance with her then man
0: that's not a male dance it's a female dance there are rules and structure oh, to the dances true, of, true. of african tribes i took african dance class at the university of oregon i think i would know <laughs> <laughs> no but for real i took two african dance classes in my four years in the university you of oregon. Took two? i do have a, yeah it was uh, my very first term my very last term <laughs>
1: Well, well, congratulations, man. That, that so, $900 worth of education is finally paying off in this one episode yeah, of a podcast.
0: Yeah, I, this, yeah, what <laughs> I'm still paying off, and hopefully Joe Biden will finally say you're good on.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. You and me both are wishing for that. Holy shit. You realize I, after seven years of school, four undergrad, three grad school, I have two years, two years out of those seven that i have to pay off the rest i had grants and scholarships for or i already paid off two years left total 140 grand (laughs) (laughs) right that's from that's from grad school architecture programs that's bullshit
0: no, no, me gusta. <laughs> no, no, no,
1: no, 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 no,
0: no, 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 no.
1: Yeah, so here's hoping January comes around and Biden's like, yo, here's the vaccine for the pandemic and also, fuck student loans.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, and then, I mean... Then action scene, action scene. Then we get to the fucking finale <laughs> the the fire and then finally Jack trusts uh what's his name? Is it Ralph? Yeah. Okay. Jack trusts Ralph and literally gets pulled up on this thing and like swings over and kicks Omar into the fire and grabs <laughs> and grabs Jonah that's how the movie ends and then they get married and and then there's there's
1: no like there's there's not even like an aftermath to him kicking the guy into the flames like he just kicked a human being into a burning inferno
0: a dictator who has an army of men you've killed that dictator i
1: i know but there's not there's no there's no aftermath to that at all
0: like not no, even that's like That's what i'm saying How is someone not, like, not, like, you killed my dictator boss who I considered a family. Like, there has to be at least one rogue soldier that's not, like, I'm free. There has to be one that's just, like, you killed the guy that I listened to and trusted the most. I have a machine gun. Right. I'm going to shoot at you. Nah, nah. I mean, not in this movie with all these plot holes. (laughs) Not this one. At the
1: very least, if you want to dress it up from a totally, you know, i don't know pulling this out of thin air clearly but uh, from an indiana jones type perspective <laughs> yeah um maybe have like the crowd that's down below start cheering or something like show the the reverse where it's like finally the people are liberated because this man is gone that kind of mm-hmm. thing no mm-hmm. we don't see anything like that so basically you've You've developed this entire plot device throughout two hours worth of a film. You've scripted an entire movie around this. You finally get it. Nothing happens. You just get married.
0: No, the jewel of the Nile has now been restored as the man in the... We
1: barely even see that.
0: Well he walked through fire and everyone celebrated and started chanting his name instead of chanting Omar's name. So therefore ergo, everything's good. Everything's Gucci. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Your reaction is correct. Your reaction is absolutely fucking correct on that. Just
1: dude, what the fu- what the actual fuck did we watch? The the jet <laughs> They leveled a fucking town with a jet without ever taking off. <laughs> yeah, he rips the, pl- the 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 wings off of both sides of the jet and just cruises around downtown of this poor little village, levels the shit out of it, and then just starts. Yeah, you know, oh, fuck it, we're gonna keep cruising down the desert highway.
0: It reminded me of fucking (laughs) uh, Team America World Police. (laughs) When, (laughs) when, like, they finally, like, they finally stopped the bad guys in the very first scene, but it's in France, and they've, like, destroyed the Eiffel Tower, and then as they're celebrating, all, like, the French people are just looking around, just like, what the fuck have they done to our city <laughs> sort of
1: I, I felt the same way after I watched an Avengers movie you know where it's like
0: yeah well you won but yeah. at what cost every time I see a Spider-Man action scene I'm just like who the fuck rebuilt that building exactly like
1: where are the movies that start picking up the aftermath of this shit where it's like alright now we're gonna spend 10 years fucking rebuilding
0: and it's just like <laughs> they have just on speed down like uh he, who was he fighting this time dr ock okay so we gotta gotta have something for all the arms that went through the window gotcha okay that was fantastic all right cool um do, are that's there any exactly
1: webs? the spider-man movie i was imagining okay. too <laughs> uh, are
0: there are there any webs around there? are there, there okay is there like a net web okay cool is it still sticky has anyone okay we'll we'll figure it out all right cool <laughs> <laughs> it's just they anyway. level a fucking town with a jet <laughs> so what happens after of after is that they get divorced because there's no fucking way in hell they survive as a relationship after this film or just the general they're like by the time they have like breakup speech number 46 where they realize they had a good run they're gonna finally just be like all right then fuck it let's let's finally end this goddamn shit
1: and maybe maybe this is when couples counseling starts to come into fashion (laughs) where it's like that's the only way this shit's actually going to be resolved between them is like because neither of them are figuring (laughs) out the whole communication aspect at all on their own yeah (laughs) it's it's just it's just rampage through the desert followed by well we had a good fucking run (laughs) we did good though huh
0: (laughs) what the fuck i just i just love love how like that's like they're saying it as if it's the most romantic thing that's ever been said like we did good huh kid (laughs) like yeah like like
1: like all you're missing is patting her on the head and saying that, like, "Yeah, well, we had a good run."
0: Yeah, like yeah. it's like oh,
1: God, yeah.
0: I mean, all that's missing is just like him just being like, "Hey, remember the time we did it in the bathroom at that one place?" Like, you know, just like
1: remember I we just got, got stoned out of our minds and hot box in a fucking crashed plane and then fucked.
0: <laughs> the they didn't fuck that time. They they fucked in the hotel the next day
1: oh it was the next day
0: yeah remember that time we were at that festival and then all the fireworks went off as we were dancing and kissed and then and then you know then we fucked
1: remember when we were in the middle of the fucking sahara and i got inspired by some national geographic titties and then i fucked you in a tent <laughs> yeah!
0: As you it's how we've been drinking. Totally. <laughs> All right. Anyway, the verdict for me, though, on this film is, yes, I, I would fuck this movie. and Everyone should see it once because it is as batshit as the first one, even more so. And Total. therefore, it's still just hilarious to watch. If you just go in thinking... Along the same lines of another podcast I love, How Did This Get Made, which I think they might have – I know they did Romance of the Stone. I think they did Jewel of the Nile as well. This movie's just so batshit that it's fun. <laughs> and you just have to watch it once, preferably inebriated of some sort. I was sober the first time. I may watch this a second time, inebriated.
1: I, I think I completely agree. I It's a fuck for me. For the all the exact same reasons. And I was sober for it the entire time. And I regret it. <laughs> I, wish, <laughs> I wish I was inebriated. Because god damn it. I need to go back and watch it again. Yes. From that perspective.
0: Just absolutely bad shit crazy. So, Just,
1: what the actual fuck?
0: I don't know. Um, Alright. So for... The podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Bromancing the Stone Podcast. That's all one word together, at Bromancing the Stone Podcast, and then on Twitter where you can find my live tweets when I watch the films, at Bro the Stone Pod, B R O T H E S T O N E P O D, um, and then you can find me on Twitter at Supermarket Sweep without the E in Super, so S U P R Market Sweep. And you can find uh, my Instagram at Relusa80. That's R-E-L-U-S-A-8-8. And there's one more thing I'm going to also uh, shout out. A new podcast that I have with the Reese Witherspoon expert, Matt Thompson, our buddy. Uh, he and I are uh, reviewing uh, the like teen raunchy comedies of our youth. Uh, we had our <laughs> pilot episode um of our podcast which we're calling where's the subtlety uh so um if you want to check out where's the subtlety uh you can find that first episode on spotify uh, the next one should be on other platforms um but the first episode we did was on the movie sex drive uh, <laughs> which is <laughs> a unique movie a, a
1: fitting um, beginnings of that podcast.
0: yeah um and so you can also find that uh you can find where's the subtlety on Instagram and on Twitter at where's the subtlety. Um, uh, I think it's, yeah, I think it's just that. I mean, if you search that, you'll find it on both Instagram and Twitter. There's nothing posted yet. Hopefully soon at some point there will be. And Max.
1: Uh, On Instagram, you can find me at the lionhearted with a period, which is T H E period. (coughs) L Y O N H E A R T E D. And on Twitter, you can find me at the Lionheart with an underscore, T-H-E underscore L-Y-O-N-H-E-A-R-T-E-D.
0: There you go. And next week, Max, what are we doing?
1: Uh, Next week, we're taking Thanksgiving off, aren't we?
0: Yes, that is correct. So, to celebrate making it a year in this podcast, basically, and... Uh, due to the holiday, which we're not doing anything. <laughs> like, we're not <laughs> going anywhere. Let's, let's be we're, real
1: here. Like, nobody's fucking yeah. doing anything. You we shouldn't staying... be doing yeah. anything.
0: Yeah. Quite frankly, we could do a podcast, we but we we're could. just... But we felt like it was just a very odd rhythm because
1: yeah.
0: we... Because for all of December, and we're going to announce it now, the movies we're going to do, all of December will be Christmas rom-coms. So... We right. have well, not all Christmas like, but basically holiday rom coms for the foreseeable future. And since the next one is coming out after Thanksgiving, it's just a weird, like a, November thirtieth. It's just a weird day where we didn't know what to do. So we're just gonna take a break, and you know, you all are gonna just have to deal with it. But yeah. we'll be it's back. A, it's it's the between season break. It's understood. Yeah, let us let us have a week off. Come on, man. Yeah, yeah, uh, but. Anyway, uh, so, but we are coming back with four movies, as I mentioned in December. So, mark your calendars, get out your pen and paper, get ready to jot these down. So, the first movie we're doing on December 7th is a newer movie that was came out on Netflix that, um, mm-hmm. uh, coming uh, back to I, the
1: Netflix rom-coms.
0: Yep. Yeah, I read a review of it, um, Oh, you Max did? Saw, I saw it. Well, a, a while ago. Oh, okay. I don't remember the review much, but I remember reading the review. And then Max uh, saw that it was on Netflix, but he hasn't seen the movie yet either. But uh, the movie is called Holiday, and it stars <laughs> Emma Roberts and some random Australian dude. <laughs> um, so <laughs> on December 7th, the movie Holiday will be discussed. Uh, and then on December 14th, there was a movie that came out last year, written by the Queen Emma Thompson, uh, of mm-hmm. uh, Love Actually fame, um, and it stars Amelia Clark of Daenerys fame. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called Last Christmas. It's a movie that no one really knows what happens in the film, and there's a lot of Google questions about it. Dude, I no literally one answers it.
1: Like I literally googled the title, and there the first five questions were like. What happens at the end? Does Does anyone die? die? Yeah. (laughs) It's
0: (laughs) It's just just a bunch of random. Yeah. Jesus, what are we in for? (laughs) So we're going to find out on December 14th when we watch Last Christmas. Um, And then on December 21st, the Christmas special this year. uh, Last year we did Love Actually. This year uh, we are doing my other Christmas favorite that I watch every Christmas. The Holiday. So, Kate Winslet, Cameron Diaz, Jude Law, Jack Black, that classic film will be Mm -hmm. reviewed on December 21st. And then December 28th, they'll be our last one for the year 2020. They'll be our last one before New Year's Eve. And... It's funny. I mentioned new year's Eve because that's the film we'll be reviewing. Oh, what up, we what did, up, what up? We did Valentine's day on val- around Valentine's day. So we might as well do new year's Eve around new year's Eve. You don't say year. so. Those are the films we'll be doing. And then we'll get back to Max's choice at the beginning of January. And we'll get to that at that time. But until then, you know what the movies are, but we're going to be taking a break next Monday. Um, but we love y'all. Thank you very, very much for listening. Um, and we will catch you on December 7th.
1: Love you guys. See you in season two.
0: Peace. <laughs>